<sighs> another week, another New York Giants loss. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, everybody. If you haven't already, hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops for you drops. Appreciate you all coming back. I hit 300 a couple of days ago on YouTube, but unfortunately someone unsubscribed, so we're still at 299. So please hit that like button, comment, subscribe. How about the algorithm on YouTube? If you're not on YouTube, please go ahead and follow the podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to do the same old song and dance. Oh, the key plays and this, that, and the other thing. We're going to talk about some things that are different that I usually don't do on here. I'm probably going to reform what I do on here to make it a little more interesting because if I keep doing, oh, the key plays and this, that, and this, and that, uh, it's going to get boring for a bunch of meaningless games. Now, Giant season is over. I surely believe that. We're 2-6. and six. I don't support tanking, though. I'm not saying anyone's advocating for it right now, but I'm just saying, even though I just said meaningless games, I still support winning because you don't want to be a franchise like Detroit or Jacksonville. But this is a game the Giants could have easily won. Kansas City played down to the competition, and it was a crime. It was a crime how they played down to the competition. And a lot of people expected us to get blown out at the beginning of the season. When I thought the Giants were going to be good, I said, the Giants are not going to win this game, but they'll be competitive. I was wrong and right about a couple of things. They were competitive, but this isn't 2020 anymore, guys. This isn't 2020. We should not be giving anyone a pass. And if you are, I'm sorry, I don't think you know how to hold people accountable because two and six is not a good record you can't waddle around the record and say oh well the Giants did this no this is a winning year guys so uh just some quick comments before the key stats I'll talk about some of the turnovers the injuries the penalties which played a huge part in the loss and I said last week previewing the Panthers game Actually, no, recapping the Panthers game. I said, these penalties have to stop. It's eight penalties. They were only two in the second half. Yeah, that's great and all. But they have to stop because the Giants could have easily scored maybe another touchdown had Nate Solder not been upfield. And same thing with Matt Parrott. But the same shit continued. Uh, the timeouts, horrendous. We'll talk about the accountability aspect because Joe Judge thinks it's the headsets that's, you know... The issue with the New York Giants and the way they played on Monday, um, it's just excuses. There's no accountability, and this team has one fluke win. Us fans are supposed to get excited, and then the next week they lose. And I'm happy that they stayed in contention. They didn't get, they didn't get blown out, but you know what? This is supposed to be a winning year, and they had the lead at one point. They had the lead. But conservative game plans hindered the Giants. They used way too many timeouts. And even if the headsets were one of the issues, why didn't they say something about it? Why couldn't they contact the NFL at halftime? Hey, listen, you know, our headsets are not working. Can you guys do, can you guys, can you guys do something about this? Blah, 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 blah. They have a better plan and better sources at the NFL headquarters in new york city than i do 
I'm just making a point here. The defense, they played good, but the penalties at the back end of the game, that can't happen. Patrick Graham, shout-outs to him. We'll talk about him later on because he, he did a good job. This was Seattle 2.0, and I've bashed Patrick Graham about 300 times this season. This is a game I can't bash him for because the offense didn't score. This was one of the worst defenses in the league, but we can't score because the offensive line's terrible. Jason Garrett, being Jason Garrett, you know, the curl routes, the horrendous play calls on third down, the way the Giants took their time at the end of the half. It was excruciating to watch. But I'm also numb to it because the Giants have been this way the last couple of seasons. So let's get into key stats and all that other stuff. So for the passing game, Kadarius Toney threw a pass, 1 for 1, 19 yards. Daniel Jones, who obviously was the main passer, 22 for 32, 222 yards, 2 touchdowns, and a very bad interception was sacked 3 times. Patrick Mahomes... 29 for 48, 275 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and sacked twice. Take a look at the Giants' very off running game. I mean, Booker had an okay day, wasn't great, but also the offensive line did not help. Devontae Booker rushed 15 times for 60 yards, and Daniel Jones rushed five times for 12 yards. I don't wa- I, I honestly don't get why Gary Brightwell is not being factored in, but hey. You know, uh, this is the Giants. We should be used to it by now. Kansas City, in terms of their rushing game, Darrell Williams actually led the pack by one yard and I would say about two carries because he got 13 carries for 49 yards. But Derek Gore had 11 carries for 48 yards and a touchdown. He actually did pretty solid for, you know, a backup running back. I didn't expect that to happen. I thought we were going to get killed in the passing game. But it was reverse. The thing that bothered me about the defense is they kept seeing that the check down was the outlet for the Chiefs to a first down. But that's nitpicking. They didn't allow the big play. The biggest play on offense was, what, 24 yards? Something like that? So you know what? I can't complain in terms of the defense. Mahomes also rushed three times for 10 yards. Take a look at the Giants receiving game. John Ross, two receptions for 72 yards. The big 50-yarder, a great catch. Daniel Sorensen was holding him, so obviously if he didn't catch it, it was going to be a pass interference anyway. Devontae Booker had five receptions for 65 yards. A big 41-yard reception. Kadarius Toney, of course, he was... Not very much involved, about 53% of the snaps. We'll get to the snap counts in a little bit, but four receptions, 26 yards. Shepard, four receptions, 25 yards before he came out of the game due to, I believe it was a hamstring injury. It's not an ACL. I really haven't seen anything about his injury, and I've been fairly active on Twitter, so I'm going to guess it's another hamstring injury because that shit can come back and haunt you. But I won't be surprised, you know, if Shepard's out another week, two weeks, three weeks, because I love Shepard. He's a good player, but he can't stay on the field for shit. He's going to get cut next year. Uh, Elijah Penny had a reception for 16 yards. Evan Ingram had that touchdown. So did Kyle Rudolph. Also, Colin Johnson got in. And Darius Slayton, he had one drop, which was key. And, you know, what can you say? He wasn't traded, so they either didn't find a suitor or they were looking for something else. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a little bit, though. In terms of the Kansas City receiving game, 
Tyreek Hill, 12 receptions for 94 yards, which actually isn't bad because he had 7.8 yards per reception. So not too many big plays allowed by this defense to Tyreek Hill, who is their main contributor on offense. He also had one touchdown. Miko Hardman had five receptions for 63 yards. Darrell Williams, that's what I was talking about, coming out of the backfield, the checkdowns, getting the key first downs. Six receptions, 61 yards. Travis Kelsey had four receptions for 27 yards. He also fumbled. Good play by the defense. Logan Ryan, he knows how to punch a ball out. Demarcus Robinson also got in there with Byron Pringle. Josh Gordon was targeted. So was Blake Bell, who also had a drop. So you take a look at the turnovers. Daniel Jones fumbled at the end of the game. In my opinion, it was meaningless. You know, if you're going to say, oh, Daniel Jones, you know, fumbled at the end of the game, it's his fault. He had other plays which were bad. The interception definitely was bad. That was a stupid throw. Staring down his receiver in a fucking flat or a stick, whatever the fuck it's called, because, you know, Jason Garrett doesn't know how to uh, get plays downfield. But nonetheless, Daniel Jones did make a mistake by throwing it and Willie Gay picked it off. That was one of the interceptions, which was... Um, right after Patrick Mahomes forced the ball, it was popped up in the air, Julian Love comes down with it, but proceeds to get beat on a touchdown, so, you know, that really crossed out any interception that Julian Love made or any play that he made. Patrick Mahomes did fumble as well, but it was recovered by Trey Smith, Leonard Williams, uh, he was in the backfield a couple of times, so good game for him on defense as well. Dante Pettis had a fumble. On the punt return, Keon Crossan, who played well also on special teams and on defense, he recovered the fumble. Dante Pettis was out the rest of the game. I believe it was a hand injury, so, you know, God knows the next time we'll see him. And then Travis Kelsey fumbled, forced out by Logan Ryan. Take a look at the stats, the team stats. First downs, the Chiefs had 29, the Giants had 18. That's a drastic distance from each other is a drastic deficit in terms of passing first downs the Giants had 10 and the Chiefs had 17 the Giants had three rushing first downs and the Chiefs had 10 uh actually if I said 10 for passing first downs for the Chiefs I meant 17 uh, maybe I'm just jumbled here in terms of first downs from penalties the Giants had five so that really gave them a push the Chiefs had two third down efficiency the Giants were 4 for 12, which is about, I would say, 30-33% if I'm not wrong. And the Chiefs had only one more third down conversion. They were 5 for 12, but on fourth down, the Giants were 1 for 2. Uh, obviously, the one not converted fourth down was at the end of the game. Chiefs didn't go for it at all on third down. Excuse me, fourth down. In terms of total plays, Chiefs ran 77, the Giants ran 56. In terms of total yards... Uh, the Giants had 300, the Chiefs had 368, both had 11 drives, the Giants averaged more yards per play at 5.4, the Chiefs averaged 4.8 yards per play. In terms of red zone attempts, Jesus Christ, the Kansas City Chiefs were 2 for 6, that's interesting. In terms of the Giants, they were 2 for 3. In terms of penalties, which was a big one for both teams in this game, but obviously the Giants lost, so... We all know who the penalties affected the most. Giants had 10 penalties for 88 yards. The Chiefs had 12 penalties for 103 yards. In terms of turnovers, the Giants had one. The Chiefs had two. 
No defensive or special teams touchdowns. In, in time of possession, the Chiefs had more time, 34-38, compared to the Giants, 25 minutes and 22 seconds. Now let's take a look at the snap counts before we get to some other stuff in terms of the offensive snap counts. Billy Price, basically a whole offensive line. Daniel Jones played 100% of the snaps. Devontae Booker played 93% of the snaps. 87% for Darius Slayton. 78% for Evan Ingram. 57% for Kadarius Toney, which is something I really don't understand. He had 76 at one point in time, but they'll use the injury as an excuse for some reason. Colin Johnson was right behind him, 40%. Sterling Shepard, 38% with the hamstring injury or whatever injury he had, lower body. Kyle Rudolph had 35%, Caden Smith at 30%, John Ross 27%, Eli Penny 12%, Corey Cunningham 2%, same thing with Dante Pettis. Only played one offensive snap, which was interesting. Take a look at the defensive snaps. Adoree Jackson, Tay Crowder, Logan Ryan, and Xavier McKinney played 100%, all of them. Bradbury, 99%. Leonard Williams, 84%. Aziz Ojolari, 81%. 67% for Dexter Lawrence. 64% for Austin Johnson. 62% for Quincy Roche, which is a big uptake compared to the last couple weeks. So maybe he's replacing Zimenez and Carter big time. But also Carter was out, so you have to factor that in. 56% for Darnay Holmes. 53% for Julian Love, 37% for Reggie Ragland, 35% for Benadric McKinney, who may be taking that linebacker two spot away from Ragland some point in the game. 22% for O'Shane Zimenez, 11% for Cam Brown and rookie Aaron Robinson, who I thought played decently. You know, you can't really judge anything too much. It's his first game. With that being said, Trent Harris played 9%. Raymond Johnson played 6%. Keon Cross and 2% and 1% for Sam Beal, who I did see on the field on one snap. And that's pretty much that. Now, let's get into injuries real quick before we get to the penalties and all the other stuff. So I've pretty much nailed the hammer on the head um, with the whole injuries thing. Sterling Shepard probably has a hamstring injury again. If I have that wrong, I apologize, but probably lower body what can I say, guys? What can I say? This guy's injury-prone, and he's great when he's on the field, but availability is the best ability. And your stats really don't come to anything unless you're on the field. In terms of Kadarius Tony, he had his hand stepped on, but came back onto the field. He actually returned one of the punts. Also got a hit to the head, but there was no concussion there. Obviously, he was fine after that. There was a 15-yard penalty. And for Dante Pettis, who had the injury after the punt return, I believe it was a hand injury. It's probably a week-to-week -week thing. I think he'll play next week if the Giants still have him on the active roster, which I believe they do. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, no defensive injuries from what I know. But if you have good depth, you can overcome injuries. That's what the Ravens are doing. That's what some of these other teams are doing. But the Giants... Bad teams, bad teams are plagued by the injury bug. The injury bug always finds bad teams. It just seems to be that way. Anyway, let's talk about accountability. Because I feel like this needs to be addressed. And I know a lot of people out there are still holding on to the Joe Judge honeymoon. And personally, I don't believe in that. I really don't believe in that. Because what is there to believe in? This organization is a mess. 
I'm going to sit there and be there with every fan who says that. This organization's a mess. Dave Gettleman, everybody deserves to be gone at the end of the year. Patrick Graham, it's debatable at this point because I have a comment at the end and I know I keep alluding to it, but best for last because I really did like what Patrick Graham did against the Chiefs and I like what he has done in the last two games. With that being said, um, let's talk about the penalties. Now, I'll go into specifics on how it impacted what you know, happened in those drives. Coming from those penalties, we'll talk about it. So, um, I'll get to the comments after because it doesn't make much sense to do the comments and then the, um, what do you call it? The comments and then the penalties themselves with context. So, this one was a minor one. It was in the first half. It was maybe the, one of the only defensive penalties. There weren't many. But this was one of the only ones in the first half. I'm pretty sure it was the only one. But Leonard Williams basically jumped off sides on a third and 20, so it was third and 15. But they converted. Actually, no, they didn't convert. So it was fourth down. That drive ended in a punt. But this one really pissed me off. This whole conservative philosophy kicked in here, and that's what pissed me off. Because the Giants, not only did they commit penalties on their last drive before the end of the half, before halftime... They were out there like they had three timeouts. They were taking their time. They're like, okay, let's get back to the line. You know, it's not like the clock's running or anything. The lack of aggressiveness. What do I say for Aaron Boone? There's a certain thing I say. Lack of urgency. The lack of urgency. It's like the Giants were... Fine. Oh, well, if we don't score here, we can always score because we get the ball back in the second half. How'd that do for you? How'd that do for you? You didn't score. You didn't score. Yeah, you had the lead at one point, but you didn't score. You didn't score on the first drive of the second half because you waited. You were conservative. And because your players are a bunch of bums, they like to commit penalties. But let's talk about it. So, in the first three plays, between each play, I believe there was a run play or, you know, maybe two pass plays, whatever. You guys can look up the plays. 29 seconds wasted in between play number one and play number two. Between play number two and play number three, 29 seconds wasted again. And then play number three and play number four, 17 seconds. Where's the urgency? And it's not like they had two timeouts or not even one timeout. They had no timeouts. They had no timeouts. Which is abysmal. So then you go to 23 seconds left. False start. Offense number 71. Will Hernandez. I've called him serviceable in the past. Uh, I don't know if I said that correctly, but serviceable is what I meant. Goodbye. He's a, he's a penalty committing machine. He makes so many mental errors, it's not even funny. And I wanted this guy to be good. I've emotionally invested myself in the last couple of years in Will Hernandez as a potential future offensive lineman for the Giants because he always had heart. He always had grit. But you know what? That doesn't come to play when you have the stupid ass penalties. I feel like every game Will Hernandez has a false start penalty on a third down play. And it was first down here. But still, 
Back the Giants up five yards. The next play. Daniel Jones uh, throws to whoever the fuck. I think he threw to Ingram. He may have thrown to Ingram. Or he rushed. I think he rushed and went out of bounds. Yeah, he rushed and went out of bounds. Holding. Offense. Number 76. Nate so the... Why this man is on the field in the first place. And, you know, this is obviously due to the fact that Andrew Thomas is injured. But it just amazes me. It just amazes me that the Giants didn't draft any offensive linemen in the 2021 draft. It amazes me that they played this guy before Andrew Thomas was hurt. Amazes me. But nothing you can do about it. And going back to uh, another penalty they had, which effectively ended the half. So you had that Booker run. Which was about for 14 yards. They had about 5 seconds left on the clock or something like that, right? Booker goes out of bounds. And you're about between the 35 and the 45-yard line about. I'm estimating. Yeah, you're at the 44-yard line. The Giants are at the 44-yard line. Devontae Booker, obviously, with a big run. Whatever. So you're in position to have a Hail Mary throw. What happens? Delay game. Offense. How can that happen? It's not like, oh, we got to get everything set up. It's not like, oh, this, this, and this. Oh, well, there's some confusion in the line. The clock wasn't running. Imagine if the clock was running. The, the, end you know, the half would have ended. The half would have ended if the clock was running. Whatever. It, it didn't even matter because they kneeled it like a bunch of wussies. But then again, with the amount of penalties that backed them up, what could you do, right? So, we go into all the way in the fourth quarter. They were pretty clean in the third quarter. It was mostly like Chiefs penalties. <sighs> About a zero-yard carry for Damian Williams. Nice stop. Actually, Damian Williams. I'm going back to 2018, 2019 Chiefs. But about uh, about zero-yard carry for Darrell Williams. Tay Crowder throws Blake Bell to the ground. Personal foul, unnecessary roughness, defense number 48. What are you doing there? If he throws you to the ground, let him throw you throw you to the ground. Have the ref throw a flag. To do that there and throw him to the ground, it's going to get called in plain sight if the play is over. If the play's not over, then obviously they're not going to call it. They're not really going to see it. But the play is dead over. Your defense made a stop. But you're going to sit there and throw... Uh, number two tight end in the ground, and then get flagged, and that's another first down. Luckily, luckily, that drive ended in a punt. That being said, let's go to another stupid penalty, which is probably the stupidest penalty of the game. <sighs> Daniel Jones. I think it was third and one, right? Giants only need one yard, but I believe it was a play-action play on the backfield. Elijah Penny. Nice reception for 16 yards. Usually fullbacks don't get those type of receptions, right? Elijah Penny, first down, throws the ball, gets into def uh, off a defender's face. Yeah, I'm right about that. I hate the taunting penalty as much as anyone else. Obviously, John Mara killed the Giants in a way because he advocated for that because he's a soft wuss. Okay, he's a soft wuss that's been collecting people's money for the past 10 years and has put a good product on the field but that's not that's not part of it right now that's not part of it Eli Penny my guy your team is two and fucking five at the time at the time they're two and five your team is 
down or tied at that point. I believe they were tied at 17. I believe they were tied at 17. You go ahead and taunt. What the fuck are you doing? Are you stupid or something? How do you not see that across the league... Do these players not watch football or aware of any other football teams and games? It makes no sense to me. Once again, I get it. The rule is stupid. But to taunt like that, you're 2-5. and five. You're not 5-3. and three. So he taunts. And guess what, everybody? 15-yard penalty. Move the truck back. They only gained one yard. They did get the first down, but they only gained one yard. Beautiful. Beautiful. So we get to the last part of stupidity. We get to the last part of stupidity, but the Giants punted on that drive, and Riley Dixon shanked it because he's a, he's a fucking asshole, because he doesn't know how to punt. And also, yeah, let's tack on uh, legal touching uh, number 47 of the kicking team, because Cam Brown went out of bounds and touched the ball first. That is illegal, so that's, once again, illegal touching number 47 of the kicking team. So they move up to the 29-yard line of the Kansas City Chiefs, and then... A few plays later, they had a holding penalty. I believe it was on Lucas Niang or Orlando Brown. I believe it was on Orlando Brown. So they back up the truck. They back up the truck. Darnie Holmes, interception. Even before the interception was thrown. That could have ended the game. That could have sealed the game for the Giants. I saw that somebody jumped off sides. And what do you know? It was O'Shane fucking Zimenez. This man should not be on the field. This guy should be playing for the fucking Jaguars as their starting defensive end right now. I mean, seriously, this is not even a fucking joke anymore. I had high hopes for this guy, but last year, I kept telling people, Patrick Graham don't like this guy. Nobody listened to me. Nobody listened to me. But you know what? That's fine. I don't want to be right about that stuff. But O'Shane Zimmon is offside. Now, there's obviously debates. Oh, was he offside? Was he not offside? Was it like the Dexter Lawrence thing? I mean, let's not make excuses. Whether it was offside or not offside, the Giants did not play a good game towards the end. Because guess what? And this is another penalty as well. But once again, they did not help themselves. And I'm not saying, oh, it's all the defense's fault. Because the Giants' offense was completely inept. Uh, about a 14-yard pass play to Travis Kelsey. And he pushes to the sticks. He pushes to the sticks. They only had one yard to go, and this was after the offsides penalty. So it was a second and 15. Two plays in a row, they have penalties, and it was a face mask. Tay Crowder never grabbed the face mask. The refs were blind on that play. But nonetheless, first down, they march down the field to get a field goal, and then obviously the rest is history. So let's talk about the comments. Let's talk about the comments. Uh, I believe I have it somewhere. Here we are. Joe Judge on taunting penalties. We've got to make the right decisions. The message is don't give the refs any reason to call it. Yeah, that's your team, Joe. It's your team. We can argue about talent and players and this, that, and the other thing. But one thing that we can't argue about, and if you argue about it, I don't know that you know football, is that this is Joe Judge's team in terms of coaching. Yeah, Elijah Penny should know not to do that. But it's up to Joe Judge. Remember, this team had barely any penalties last year. But this year, they probably have among top 10. So let's let's not be diminished by words here. Or I should say, 
uh, let's not be sugar-coated by words or basically hallucinated by words. You guys know what I'm saying. Joe Judge has been talk, 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 and he hasn't been walking the walk all year. He's like a politician. He's like Aaron Boone. Sorry, not sorry. He also said this. This is regarding the whole team. Building toward a program that will be good over time. Got to keep correcting things now. It takes time. Must do it the right way. This team fights for 60 minutes. Tough and hardworking. Okay, Joe. This ain't a college program. If you want to be a college head head coach, go to somewhere. If any of these college coaches get hired as NFL coaches or... You know, go go for the USG, go for the USC job. Go for the USC job in the fucking Pac-12. Go for the USC job. They have an opening. You think this is a program? This is a football team. If you cannot distinct the difference between a college football team and a national football team, which is in one of the biggest markets in the country, let alone the world, you have no right to be here. You showed us a lot last year. Or as we thought. The team overachieved under you. Let's be real, guys. Let's be real. This team overachieved last year. You can say it was coaching, whatever. This team is now underachieving. Because at times this season, whether it was Jason Garrett that played into it or Patrick Graham... Joe Judge has not maximized the talent on the field. And I get it. The pass rush spot is Dave Gettleman's fault. The offensive line is a sham. That's Dave Gettleman's fault. But what can you say about the defense in the earlier part of the year? When guys like Blake Martinez and James Bradbury are not doing well. Xavier McKinney and Logan Ryan. Obviously, the story's kind of flipped back to last year. Because the offense isn't playing well. But the defense is starting to play well. Which is, once again, something we'll talk about at the end. Because I have some really good comments for Patrick Graham. But let's not sit here and, oh, program, program. No. No program. Go be head coach of, like, Temple or something. Go be head coach of, like, Coastal Carolina or the Raging Cajuns or some of these other teams. If you think this is a program, dude, you're not in the right place. New York has high expectations. This team hasn't won for years. Rebuilding a college program is way different than in the NFL because college takes more in some aspects. The NFL takes more in some aspects. So you know what? Let's stop calling things a program because it is different from an NFL team. Now, I know he was talking about this team and not some other NFL program or not NFL program, NCAA program. But for someone who really can't distinct the difference, they may think you're talking about some college program. So you know what? Let's stop. Let's stop calling it a college program or a program for that factor. Because you know what Matt Rule did? And I'm not going to say that Matt Rule should have been hired. But it took Matt Rule how many years to obviously revitalize Temple. He revitalized Baylor. That took years. And rightfully so. You really don't have a timeline to win in the college system 
unless you're coaching for Alabama or LSU or the Gators, if you're Temple or if you're Baylor and you're really bad, the timeline is like this. If you build it correctly, if there's some signs of success, they'll let you keep building. They'll give you a four or five year timeline. But once again, for people who can't distinct the difference or just see by headline of what you said, they'll think you're talking about a college program. This is an NFL team. Way different, pal. I talked a lot. I talked a lot there, and I really shouldn't have. But let's talk about the headset issue. So I woke up Tuesday morning, obviously in grief, and my brother told me, he said, yeah, Joe Judge is talking about headset issues now. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And I even said to him, and this is me getting up at 6.45 in the morning for school, which is really a reason that um, this podcast is not coming out till 12.30-ish Wednesday because of my school schedule, and that'll probably be the same thing for the Tampa Bay game. But obviously things will go back to normal, whatever. But I even said, I said, you know, if they had a problem, why didn't they, when, why didn't they do something about it? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Once again, lack of accountability. But here's what the NFL said. Now, I don't know if I captured any quotes from Joe Judge specifically. I don't think I did. But let's talk about what the NFL said. We were not made aware of any issues during the game from the club through our standard communication channels that were used to identify game day issues. We are looking into the matter with all involved parties. However, we are confident that nothing is attributable to the Bose headset. <sighs> also, this is a good point to bring up. Well, actually, no, it's not really a good point because it could be potentially defending Joe Judge. And I said on Twitter, let's not go into this thing now where the beat reporters are defending Joe Judge like beat reporters defend Aaron Boone all the time. Let's not do that. But Pat Trena comes up here and says, The thing about the heads at issue that bothers me most, meaning her, if there has been an ongoing problem and the Giants reported it, why didn't the officials shut down the other team's communication system? If this was an issue for games or whatever, why didn't the Giants report it? Because it seems like it's not, oh, the Giants reported it and the NFL doesn't care. No, they. it seems like they never reported it. Which means that Joe Judge could be lying for excuses. But he also came out and said, well, you know, the headsets were an issue, but I'm not going to be coming out here. You know, you guys know that I'm not a guy of excuses. Boy, is that a fucking lie. But, hey, Joe Judge apparently knows what he's doing so much he deserves another year. On friggin' real. Um, I have so many papers here, but let's talk about the trade deadline. So the Giants did not make any moves. There was some speculation that Evan Ingram was going to go to the Packers. But the thing that stood out, or the thing that the Packers needed, was a tight end, obviously, but a blocking tight end. And I don't know what happened there. They may not have reached out to the Giants. The Giants may not have liked the offer that they were given. Whatever. Evan Ingram is probably going down as a fifth-round compensatory pick for 2023. Same with Darius Slayton. I don't know when his contract ends, but when he gets cut, when he gets, um, you know, off his contract, which I believe ends in 2022, after 2022, if I'm not mistaken. If I am, I apologize. 
But with that being said, you know, it's going to be compensatory picks. And we don't know if these guys, you know, were given offers for. We don't know. But if the Giants didn't take any offers, I don't understand. I don't understand why. But just some stats. Darius Slayton has three drops this year. He's totaled about 12 receptions for 190 yards and a touchdown. That coming against the Washington football team with a catch percentage of 48, which is not good. And he's had three drops, as I mentioned. So he's having another terrible year. But he's also been, you know, with the playing time of Galladay and Tony and all these other guys at the beginning of the year, he really didn't have much reps. But with that being said, though, Slayton, no bueno this year. No bueno this year. Uh, in terms of Ingram, who's had a better season, but he's also not been available for all eight games so far. He has one drop, which I believe was against the Saints, one fumble against the Falcons. But to total the stats, he also had a good catch for a touchdown. He did something against the Kansas City Chiefs. He is totaling 23 receptions for 186 yards, one touchdown, a catch percentage of 69.7, which is the highest of his career to date. But obviously, we have to see throughout the season how many targets he gets. But he, in my opinion, when Tony comes back to full health, or as they say, or as they get him involved more, I should say, um, when Galladay comes back, when Barkley comes back, when all these other guys come back, I don't think his involvement will be that much because... We saw the Cowboy game before garbage time, the Saints game. He really wasn't involved in the offense. So just something to keep an eye out for. So let's get to the next topic, the same old song and dance. It's pretty much the same old song and dance from 2020. Minus a rebuild, but plus Joe Judge incompetency equals a recipe for disaster if you guys know math. JG's bad play calling. It was horrible. Barely any plays downfield. I get it. The Chiefs were probably doing a high amount of too high safety. But John Ross was the biggest play. Your second biggest play was a freaking check down where Devontae Booker had yards after the catch. But no involvement of Tony. You had screens to Devontae Booker out of all people. This is what I don't get about the Giants. Jason Garrett, specifically. And once again, Joe Judge is to blame as well because he's the offensive coordinator on his team. And if we're going to pull this puppet narrative out of our ass and say, oh, well, Joe Judge is instructed by John Mara because, you know, Jason Garrett's Mara's guy, then Joe Judge should fight and say, okay, if you're not going to let me fire him, then I'm out of here. But... That is not the situation because Joe Judge is very conservative. And conservative does not win you games in the NFL. Or at least the modern NFL. I didn't watch football in the 90s or 80s because I was simply not born. I was not on the earth. Lack of involvement. Kadarius Tony only played like 53, 57% of the snaps, something like that. Had 76 a couple of weeks ago. I don't understand. Why don't you get him involved? John, uh, excuse me, Joe Judge said a couple of weeks ago about John Ross when... Uh, when he had that big touchdown catch against the Saints. Yeah, we don't have time for ramping up. Really, buddy? Because I could pull that call out of my ass right now and say, Yeah, you're, you're pretty hypocritical, Joe. Excuses. Again. Battle line play. This deals with the depth we have on this roster. 
which is not good depth. One, two of them are draft picks, and the rest are scraps. The rest are scraps. Matt Skura, he's okay at best. Billy Price is garbage because he lets anyone at all just ram through him. I would be convinced that if I lined up in front of Billy Price, I would probably beat him on the inside. Will Hernandez is a penalty machine and a mental errors machine. Nate Solder shouldn't even be on the field. Matt Parrott has played okay at left tackle, but you know he's a third-round developmental pick, so he's probably not going to be the starter next year. And the problem is, is that other than Andrew Thomas coming back at some point in the season, we're stuck with these guys. And God only knows if Joe Judge is going to have Nate Solder play on the right side when Andrew Thomas comes back. That's the scary part, everyone. So, even if you mix Ben Bradison at left guard and move score to center, or put Wes Marn at left guard and move score to center, it's not going to be any different because this O-line still is garbage. And they played okay. I'm saying okay for a reason. Throughout the first part of the game. For about quarters, one, two, three. At the end of the game, they didn't know how to handle the pressure. And guess what, everybody? A timeout would have helped. Because you call a timeout on fourth down. You call a timeout on fourth down. You know how, you know how to call the protections. You know how to get some shit straight. But the Giants didn't have any timeouts. And also, Joe Judge let 40 seconds run on the clock before the two-minute warning. So the Giants barely had this amount of time. And the Chiefs passed once, and then Mahomes basically took a sack from Keon Crossan. So that ran some time out. I would believe the Giants had 107 to go. But if you stop the clock at when Joe Judge was supposed to stop the clock, like 216, 220, something like that, they're forced to go for third down. On that play, I think it was second or third down, whatever it was. I believe it was second down. You call a timeout, it's third down. It's third down. Now they're forced to run a play, whether it's a pass, a run play, if Mahomes just takes the sack or something. You know, he slides. In that situation, runs down the two-minute warning. Clock is not running for fourth down. So they kick the field goal, and guess what, folks? You have two minutes on the clock to fully run an offense. That's the difference. Those are two different dimensions. Because in a parallel universe, the Giants would have won. Because in a parallel universe, Joe Judge is aggressive. In a parallel universe, Kadarius Toney and all these other guys are used correctly. Joe Judge's timeouts. I mentioned it before. I also mentioned it a couple of seconds ago. You know, blame the headsets. Totally cool, Joe. Totally cool. No no accountability at all. And lack of aggressiveness and conservatism. That's not going to win you games in the NFL. It's not. It's not going to win you games in the NFL. Especially when you have teams like the Chiefs, the Titans, the Bucks, the Rams. Not going to help you at all. Conservative? You can only be conservative in moments where, you know, you're beating the shit out of somebody. What was it? It was like 4th and 2 in the Rams game. And Sean McVay decided to kick a field goal. In that situation, you can do that because he has a good team around him. He has a good coaching staff around him. So it's not like, oh, well, you know, this, this, and this. No. Rams are a good team. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Especially now with Von Miller. 
So this one is not one of my favorite topics to get to, but it has to be talked about because we're coming to week nine, which is about halfway point of the season, and we have 18 weeks, 17 games, so we have to talk about this. I don't know if I put it up on the template and the graphic. If I didn't, I apologize for that, but let's talk about it. Evaluation of Daniel Jones. How did he look? Can you properly evaluate him? Is he the guy? Does it really matter? Factor, fa- the factors. Uh, O-line, DJ himself, bad play calling, practice squad wide receivers. So here's my analysis on this. I thought DJ could have played better. This is not a top 10 defense. It's not. It's not even middle of the pack. Bottom of the NFL. And I get it. JG was very bad at play calling. The wide receivers were dropping passes, especially Darius Slayton. But at some point, you have to overcome that in ways. At some point. It sucks. It really sucks. I'm not going to make a definite answer on Stan Jones the guy, is he not the guy. But to be honest, he's very inconsistent. I hate doing this. I hate saying this. Don't think I'm trying to be right or anything. Because, to be honest with you, how could I even be proven right at this situation? Because, you know, I never said that DJ wasn't the guy. But, if we had a needle in the middle of a 50 and a 50, the needle is slowly swaying towards DJ not being the guy. And let's be honest, people. Even if he is the guy, maybe he finishes the season on a stronger note. Who knows? Even though the Giants really have an easy schedule towards the end. A new GM is going to want a new quarterback. And I guess at this point, with the way the Giants have been doing things, what's so wrong about getting a new quarterback? And you better know that if the next quarterback... Does not work out. I will be pressing that GM on Twitter. I will be wrecking that GM on Twitter. I don't care. This is not, oh, I love Dave Gettleman, but if he gets fired, I'm going to take it out on the new GM. No. Because here's the problem, everybody. In my opinion, Giant fans thought Eli Manning was the problem to a certain extent, and so did the Giants organization. That's why they were contemplating drafting Mahomes, which wouldn't have been a bad thing, but he would not be what he is in Kansas City. And that's why Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo okayed the benching for Geno Smith, because they thought Eli Manning was the problem. Let's note that a Malik Willis, a Matt Corral, the guy out of Pittsburgh who I happen to like, They are not going to fix this team. You have to build around them properly. You have to accumulate draft picks. This is going to take another two to three years at least. So, whether you think DJ is not the guy, he is the guy, I think they're moving on from him after the year. My opinion can change because I'm a content creator and I'm not a GM or a talking head on NFL Network or ESPN. But I think he's been a little too inconsistent. And I think at this point, you really can't put a proper evaluation on him 
which is sort of a problem, yes, because the offensive coordinator and the wide receivers he's playing with, but also due to the fact that he needs a perfect situation. And in the NFL, nine times out of ten, you're really not going to get a perfect situation. Matt Stafford was traded into a perfect situation. Now, granted, the defense isn't great, but they only have, what, one loss on the year? They have a perfect O-line. Their wide receivers are good. The running game is formidable. That's a perfect situation. Once again, nine times out of ten. They built around Kyler Murray in Arizona. And I called that team overrated to start the year. I said, this team's overrated. What are they, 7-1? DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green is having a comeback year. Zach Ertz got traded over there. So, here's my thing. Before I get to my final topic, and I know I've been on here for like 40, 50 minutes. If the Giants are going to come out at the end of the season, and they're going to fire Dave Gettleman and keep Joe Judge, might as well keep Dave Gettleman. Because I don't get the philosophy of, oh, you got to fire this guy, but keep this guy. A, what has Joe Judge proven to get a third year? B, look at your cross-down rivals. Look at the team that plays in the same stadium as you. I'm not going over it again. Maybe in the slightest, I'll go over it. But I've said it at least 100 times. In 2019, after the GM was fired for the Jets, while they just hired the new coach, head coach hires GM, Head coach gets fired. GM in hot water this year. Think I'm kidding? Ask Jeff fans. Ask my brother. I know about all the situations that have been happening over there. Because I get to hear, him at, hear about him week after week. So you know what? Let's not sit here and say, oh, Joe Judge needs to pick a GM. Or the pick a GM to pair with Joe Judge. And what universe has this worked? Ladies and gentlemen, this ain't 1981 where George Young's going to come in and save this team. This isn't a Bill Parcells, George Jug thing. It's certainly not that. And you know what? There's a rumor that Clickbait Giants Wire puts out. Oh, well, you know, the Giants have been searching for GMs behind Gettleman's back. I don't take that seriously. Because A, Gettleman has a job. B, you really can't do that. Or I should say, let me phrase that. You cannot plan interviews for GM and head coach till the end of the season. So what good is lining up candidates right now? And for the sake of, will they get blocked by another team? Will Monty Ford get blocked from a Giants interview by the Titans? The guy in the Ravens front office, will he get blocked by the Ravens for an interview? You don't know that. So... In my opinion, it's either you keep both or you fire both. Because I know Giant fans are pissed off plenty because Dave Gettleman was not gone after 2019. And I get that. But why would we do that again? This time with the head coach. Does that make any sense? Let the GM bring in his own players, his own coaching staff, and you go from there. Now, 
Obviously, you can't do all of that because some of these players are strapped to the Giants for the next couple of seasons. Leonard Williams, Adore Jackson, Kenny Galladay, some of these other guys. You're stuck with Daniel Jones probably for another year unless you decline the option, which I believe the next GM will have to do. Saquon Barkley for another year. So you know what? I don't know. But it's, in my opinion, it's a very unpopular opinion, but I don't care. You can fight me to the bitter end. You'll debate me to the bitter end. And I have facts. And I have proof that those GM, head coach, or head coach, GM, arranged marriages do not end well. They end in divorce. And that's what rubbish teams do, using a British, UK kind of word. But that's what bad teams do. That's what garbage dumpster fire teams do. I get it. A lot of people want to compare the Giants to this dumpster fire team. They're a bad team. They're the Jaguars. They're the Lions. But they're another shade of blue. Okay. Then why would you want to become like the Jets, the, the Lions? Why would you want to become like them and keep a head coach for another year who may not be the answer and you fire him in year three and guess what? You're in year two of a GM, and if he fucks up, he's got to go next. Which all comes down to John Mara. And we can't get rid of him, obviously, because he's the owner, and he is John Mara. John Mara is John Mara, and he will continue to be putting his nose in football decisions, which he shouldn't have his nose in football decisions, at least modern football decisions, but that train has left the station and it's been gone from the station for the last couple of years now. So I want to talk about one thing. And that's Patrick Graham. Look, give me a second. I just want to get a sip of water. So Patrick Graham. And this deals with a lot of things. It deals with a lot of teams around the league. This deals with um, the way the Giants could be structured if they were structured properly. Coming into the year, the Giants obviously had expectations to have one of the best offenses in the league so let's talk about Patrick Graham first couple of games I ripped the shit out of Patrick Graham rightfully so because his defense was not good and you know we all know the story from there but the last two games he's done well the Chiefs are one of the best offenses in the league and they held them tight they held them close the Panthers you can debate on but Patrick Graham has adjusted Jason Garrett is not Patrick Graham in my opinion, has looked at some other teams, what they're doing on offense and defense, and making adjustments. Which could lead to one thing. If this team was built properly, and let's just say he is kept for the next GM and head coach, if he is, I'm not saying he will or making any predictions, but here's what you can do. And I'm not saying this will or will not work, but it could work, because you see a lot of teams around the league have these type of starts. If you have a high-powered offense, okay, if you have a high-powered offense like the Cardinals, the Titans before Henry's injury, the Rams, if you have a high-powered offense, you can pretty much forget the defense being a problem for the first five weeks of the season. And if you have a mid-tier offense, maybe, or a... 
trying to think of the word here, or an average offense. Let's just stick with the word average before we complicate this situation. If you have an average offense, your team can start bad. Because we know a lot of teams don't do good in September. And I'm not making excuses, of course. There's the Steelers the last couple of years. There's the Patriots uh, before this year and last year. There's all these other teams that start off horribly but make the playoffs. Mostly in the AFC. The Chiefs could also be one of those teams. Now, I don't know about their defense, but their, their offense obviously plays a huge part in why they win games. But... In my personal opinion, if you give Patrick Graham some time to adjust in the first four to five weeks of the season, he could be your future defensive coordinator. He can. That's my opinion. If you have a high-powered offense, which is something the league really requires now, if you don't have a high-powered offense, you're not competitive. You're not a top-five let alone top 10 team. Because you look at the Rams, you look at the Bucks, you look at the Titans, you look at the Cardinals, you look at the Packers, all high-powered offenses. You can debate about the defenses, but what's the reason those teams are winning games? The high-powered offenses. Then as you go along, Patrick Graham can make adjustments, the proper adjustments, and your team can have a balanced two sides of the football. And therefore, you can be a competitor. That comes with an appropriate set of coaches for the offense, as well as talent. But I'm just throwing that out there. Patrick Graham, and I've been on him for the past couple weeks. But something I've noticed in the last two years is he's making constant adjustments, he's taking accountability, and it's showing up on the field. So you know what? If the next GM, the next head coach wants to keep him, get a high-powered offense and go from there, and then the defense will make adjustments, and then boom, you're a contender. That's all I got. If you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops video drops. I appreciate y'all coming back. Please, let's get up to 300 subscribers. Boys, the Big Apple tonight. Um, I know there's some games going on. I'm going to try to hinder around that because I know that usually gets in the way sometimes. But I also want to get to the meat and potatoes of the sports topics around the leagues, World Series, NFL, NBA. It's all going to be a discussion. Please join us once again. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool.